0: Well, thank you so much, Mr. Greer, for uh, the words of welcome. I want to thank uh, the Youth Fellowship, the committee, uh, the oversight for the invitation to be here. It's a privilege to be here. And we trust that we'll know the Lord's blessing, as Mr. Greer has said. I know you've been praying for these meetings. And I have to say, I've encouraged myself, even in our own pre-service prayer meetings today, you can be encouraged that the people in Risharkin are praying for you. And the young people in Balamina. Bala, Bala, I to say Moni, that would be wrong, Balamina. That uh, the Lord will come and touch your hearts and my heart as well and speak to each one of us. But Leviticus chapter 1 is where we're reading from uh, this evening. You know of course by now that we're looking at these offerings that we find in the opening chapters of Leviticus. And this evening we come to chapter 1 and we want to look at the burnt offering. And we see all the detail of the burnt offering is laid out for us in this chapter. Leviticus chapter 1, we'll begin to read at the opening verse. And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a meal without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. He shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood... And sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat in order upon the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a meal without blemish and he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before the Lord. And the priests, Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. He shall cut it into his pieces with his head and his fat. And the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. But he shall wash the inwards and the legs with water. And the priest shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. And if the burnt sacrifice for his offering to the Lord be of fowls, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or of young pigeons. And the priest shall bring it unto the altar and wring off his head and burn it on the altar, and the blood thereof shall be wrung out on the side of the altar. He shall pluck away his crop with his feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east part by the place of the ashes." He shall cleave it with the wings thereof, but shall not divide it asunder. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar, upon the wood that is upon the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. Amen. We end there, close of the chapter, and we trust the Lord for help. Let's just bow briefly in a moment before we come to the word. Of God, eternal and loving God in heaven, we thank and praise thee again this evening for all of the young people that are gathered in to thy house tonight. We thank thee, O God, for the desire that thou hast placed within their hearts to be in the house of God tonight. And we recognise, O God, that is entirely of thyself, because left to our own devices, we would have no interest in thee or in thy word. We bless thee, O God, for these young people, and we pray, O God, that thou wouldst speak to every heart. We pray that thou wouldst give much help. We recognise, O God, that the flesh can grow weary later on in the day. We pray for help. We pray that thou wouldst open up our understanding. Open up our eyes that we may see wondrous things out of thy law. O God, come down and touch every heart. Give me help. Give me, O God, that live coal from off the altar. Take away the fear of man. Steady me, O God, and help me to speak well of my Saviour. And May he be uplifted in this place. And may we feel thee moving in our midst tonight. Oh God, oh help us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well young people, you probably don't need me to tell you that a lot of Christians will steer away from certain books of the Bible. And Leviticus has got to be one of those books. They look on and they say, well this is a book that contains so many Rules and regulations. Many rules and regulations that revolve around the, the ceremonial law of the Old Testament. And so these rules and regulations, they don't directly impact me or how I live my life or how I worship the Lord. And therefore they will steer away from that book of the Bible. That's often the case, I believe, with Leviticus. People, on the other hand, maybe they find it, challenging there's a lot contained in this there's a lot of detail it's difficult for us to breeze over it quickly and to keep going if we're really going to understand we've got to pause and we've got to take time and we can all be guilty of of going through the word of God too quickly taking it off our list we've read the word of God and not spending the time that we need to in the Lord's word day and daily and of course we need to rebuke ourselves young people And we need to be frank with ourselves. And we need to recognize that this book in front of it, all of of it, Genesis through to Revelation, this entire book is the word of God. And every single piece of it is inspired. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. We all know those words. Maybe you can repeat them. But so often we fail to put them into practice. And we major on some parts of the Bible and and maybe we almost ignore other parts. Well, this week you know what the plan is. We're coming to the opening chapters of Leviticus and we're looking at these offerings, these Old Testament offerings, five of them that are detailed here. We have the stipulations, we have the rules, the regulations. It's all laid out for us. The burnt offering, the meat offering, the peace offering, the sin offering the trespass offering. Now if you're any good at Mass you'll you'll know there's five. There's six nights so we must be doing something different on the final night. Well we're still in Leviticus but we will sum up and maybe come to a conclusion on Friday night with something slightly different. But I I want us to look at these offerings each night. Uh, There's lots to understand. There's much of benefit to us. There's much significance and perhaps details that, that we could glaze over without even pausing To think about. But they are so useful. And so beneficial for us. To think about them. And the significance of these offerings. And so tonight in Leviticus 1. We think about the burnt offering. I have three headings. And some thoughts under each of these headings. And I trust you'll be able to follow on. If you're like me. This time on a Lord's Day evening. You're starting to get weary. Maybe this is service 3. Maybe it's service 4 of the day. For some of you. I understand that. But I'll do my best not to get too complicated and just to keep going. And I trust that the Lord will bless his word to our hearts this evening. The burnt offering, the first thing that we want to notice, the first heading I give you when we think about the burnt offering is the purpose in the offering. The purpose in the offering. When we come to the Old Testament offerings, we cannot help but come with a New Testament perspective. In many ways, these offerings are foreign to us. We we do not practice these offerings anymore. No one in living history has practiced these offerings. And we see there are five of them. It's easy for us to get confused the one with another. It's natural for us to ask questions. So we need to get to the heart of these. And we've got to ask this question at the outset. What's the purpose? What is the purpose of this burnt offering? And I leave with you this evening sort of f- three themes that sum up the purpose of the burnt offering. And the first theme we see in the burnt offering is atonement. It's atonement. Now, the burnt offering is not the sin offering, and it's not the trespass offering. We'll come to those in a few days' time. They're in later chapters. But nevertheless, in the burnt offering, there, there is an aspect Of atonement. There is an aspect of sin being dealt with in the burnt offering. If you look at verse 4 of Leviticus chapter 1, it says, And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And what do we see there? We see the individual who brings the offering, he brings the animal, and he places his hand upon the head of that animal. That will be killed and offered unto the Lord. And that signifies a transfer of guilt. From that individual who brings the offering onto the animal itself. The individual is identifying with that animal. He's identifying that this animal will be killed and offered in his own room instead. And so there is an aspect of atonement here. The individual that offers is is recognizing their own sin recognizing that a price must be paid for their sin and symbolically the sins are are placed on that animal and that animal will pay the price in verse four we we actually have that word atonement now that word atonement in verse four it means to cover it does not mean to remove but it means to cover You see, the blood of all of the animals in the Old Testament scriptures, it was typical. What do I mean? It was a type. The blood of all the animals in the Old Testament scriptures could not remove the sins of men and women. But it pointed forward to the Lamb of God that once for all sacrificed the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood that was shed on Calvary, and so when the Old Testament believers brought these offerings, and the blood was shed, they're looking forward in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Hebrews 10 and the verse four reminds us, "It's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. It's all pointing forward to Christ's blood, because only His blood can wash away our sins." And so we see when we think about the purpose of the burnt offering. There's an aspect of atonement here. But we see something else here when we think about the purpose. And that's acceptance. There is acceptance. Look again at verse 4. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering. And it shall be accepted for him. To make atonement for him. It shall be accepted for him. To make atonement for him. The offering is accepted. And because the offering has been accepted. Then the one who brings the offering is accepted as well. There's acceptance. That individual that brings the offering is not accepted because of who he is or what he is. He is accepted because the offering has been brought in his place. The offering is accepted in his place. And again, that leads us immediately to think of our saviour. To think of his once for all sacrifice for sin. We have acceptance with God as Christians. Not because of who or what we are in and of ourselves. But because of who and what we are in Jesus Christ. We have acceptance with God as Christians because Of Jesus Christ. Because of his once for all offering for sin. Which was acceptable to God the Father. And therefore those of us who are saved. Those of us who have recognized our sin. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith and repentance. Called out for salvation. We're accepted by God. Because of Christ. Because of the price Christ paid for our sins on the cross of Calvary. And so in the shedding of Christ's blood, Christ made atonement for our sin, but he also secures acceptance for us. We're accepted by God the Father. And so when we think about this burnt offering, we're thinking about the themes. There's that theme of atonement for sin. There's that theme of acceptance with God. One final theme when we think about the purpose I leave with you tonight, and that's devotion. This theme of of devotion is seen in the burnt offerings. You see, it's significant here whenever we read the details in chapter 1 that every part of the animal was offered in the burnt offering. The only part of the animal that was held back in the burnt offering was the hide. And that was reserved for the priests. Everything else is placed on the altar and burnt. The animal that had to be offered had to be the very best animal the individual had. And it was offered voluntarily. Does that young people not speak to us of of total devotion to the Lord? Wholly placing everything, the very best that we have on the altar. Giving it all over unto the Lord and holding nothing back. And so we see this theme of devotion. When we think about the purpose of the burnt offering, atonement, acceptance, devotion, these themes are all there when we think about the purpose of the burnt offering. The second heading I give you this evening that helps us to understand the burnt offering is this the regulation in the offering. The regulation in the offering. And there can be no doubt there is much regulation, there is much detail here. God regulates in chapter 1 how the burnt offering is to be carried out look at verse 3 if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd let him offer a meal without blemish he shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the lord we we notice specifics about this offering the burnt offering is to be a meal So, it's to be the stronger of the sexes. It is to be without blemish. That's what what verse 3 says. They could not simply bring a substandard animal. It wasn't the case where you looked out on your flock and you saw an animal that maybe you didn't need. Maybe there was some flaw in that animal, maybe it had an ailment an animal that wasn't worth very much, less desirable, and you pick that animal and say, well, I'll offer that to the Lord. That's not the way it worked. It was to be the very best animal the individual had. It was to be a strong, a healthy male animal, an animal that was sturdy, an animal that was valuable. A valuable animal was to be offered in the burnt offering. Doesn't that challenge us in some ways, Christian young people, when we think about even our own service for the Lord? We are to give off our very best to the Lord. A substandard animal would not be acceptable to the Most High God, and neither young people is it acceptable for us to give God our second best in our service for Him. We must give God the very best that we have. As Christians. He must get the best of us. When it comes to our time. God must come first. He must have the priority. He must get the best of us. You say well I have to work. I have to go to school. Well obviously. That all has its place. But God is always our priority. As Christians. Or he should be. When it comes to our service for him. When it comes to expending energy in his service, he must get the very best from us. He comes first. When it comes to our money, when it comes to our finances, God must come first. Our tithes, our offerings, that's the priority for the child of God when it comes to our finances. He must have the very best. You say, well, for me, my time is valuable and my plans for my life, that's what's valuable to me. Well, that's exactly what must be offered to the Lord and surrendered to him. He must have what is most valuable in your life. Whatever he desires, he must have it. We ought to be willing as Christians. Never give the Lord the remnants of your life, Christian young people. Don't give the Lord the remnants. Give him the very best. The very best that these people had in terms of flocks and offerings, that was what was offered unto the Lord. And Christian young people, that applies to us. Let's apply it to ourselves. The very best that we have in everything in life, that goes to the Lord. He comes first. He's the priority. We've already indicated that this offering in chapter 1, the burnt offering, was a voluntary sacrifice. That's what verse 3 says. It's voluntary. And I ask you, child of God, young person, are you gladly giving of your best unto the Lord? Is there that gladness? Do you voluntarily do it? Or do you do it because it's expected of you? Are you cheerful in giving the best that you have in every avenue of your life to the Lord? Or is it something that begrudges you, that that is a burden to you? And so... Even in this regulation, that there's, there's application for the child of God even today. You'll notice whenever we look at the regulations here that, that provision is made for everyone. And so a bullock could be offered. You had a lot of money, you're fairly wealthy in Bible times and in the Old Testament times, you could offer a bullock. Maybe you're not so wealthy, maybe you're middle class, well you could offer a ram, maybe you're poor, well you offered a bird. Or some birds, turtle doves or young pigeons. Whatever your station in life, you offer the very best that you have. And that's what we see here. Whatever your station in life, you offer the very best that you have. Now you apply that to yourselves, Christian young people. Whatever stage you are at in life, whatever your talents, whatever your resources, you offer to the Lord. The very best that you have. You put it all on the altar. Think about that little boy with the five loaves and two fishes. He didn't have much. And it's handed over to the Lord Jesus. And what a work the Lord Jesus Christ did with those five loaves and two fishes. You give what you have to the Lord. You'll notice in the burnt offering, as we've already said, it was entirely burnt. Nothing was held back. The whole sacrifice consumed upon the altar. Look at verse 9. But his inwards on his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar. The entire sacrifice is consumed. The entire sacrifice is given over unto the lord and when we apply that to our lives christian young people we're reminded that everything must be on the altar everything must be surrendered to the lord whatever he wills with us with our family with our friends with our lives with our resources with our finances however far you want to go with all all on the altar All must be given over unto the Lord, whatever he wills. There's much to challenge us here, Christian young people. It's interesting though, whenever we look at all of these regulations, we actually see when we step back and observe that, that God regulates what is acceptable worship. Not you, and not me. God regulates what is acceptable worship. Here in his word, in the scriptures, he shows us what is acceptable worship. We're not left guessing how we are to worship the Lord. It's not a matter of opinion as to how we are to worship the Lord. It's not you feel we should worship the Lord in this way and I feel we should worship the Lord in the other way. No, regulations given here. And in the Old Testament, regulation is given for the offerings. It's also given for the feasts and for the sacrifices. For all of these things, it's very clearly laid out The people of God in the Old Testament are shown how to worship the Lord aright. But the same is the case in the New Testament as well. The same is the case today when we look at the New Testament. Instruction is there in the New Testament as to how we are to worship the Lord. We're instructed in the New Testament in the early church. We're to meet together. The example is there. We're to pray together. The example is there. We're to sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. The word is to be preached. There is instruction in the New Testament for for church structure, for elders or presbyters and deacons as well. The Lord shows us. The Lord regulates how we are to worship him in the New Testament, just as he did in the Old Testament. That's so important for us. To understand. Because so many today who would profess to be Christians. They think that they can make up a way to worship the Lord. And regulate it for themselves. No. It's all here in this book. It's all here. And so we've seen the purpose in the burnt offering. We've also seen the regulations in the burnt offering. The final heading I leave you with this evening. Is this. The saviour in the burnt offering. The saviour in the burnt offering. And the people in, in Risharkan are probably weary of me saying this. But I say it anyway because it's true. Jesus Christ is evident in the Old Testament scriptures. And at the minute in the evenings on the Lord's Day we're thinking about the gospel in Genesis. And how we can see the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel message. Even in the very first book of the Bible. There are times in the Old Testament when we see Jesus Christ and he appears prior to his incarnation. That incident there in Joshua when the captain of the host of the Lord appears. That's Christ prior to his incarnation appearing to Joshua. Christ is evident in the Old Testament. He is evident in types. And so he is evident in the Old Testament offerings as well. And when we consider the Old Testament offerings, the burnt offering, and as we've thought about some of the regulations and some of the details and the stipulations, no doubt your mind and heart has already started to turn to think about the Saviour. This burnt offering, as we have said, was to be voluntary. Well, we think about our Saviour voluntarily offering himself on the tree. The Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself to come to this earth to willingly die for sinners. Christ said the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep and the willingness of the saviour in accordance with the father's will to die for his people. As it were Christ held nothing back. Total obedience to the father's will the wrath of God for our sins. Laid on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see here that the offering was voluntary. That, that reminds us of Christ and his willingness to offer himself for his people. The bird offering was not only voluntary, but it was val- valuable. It was valuable. It was to be a meal without blemish. No offering could ever be more valuable than God the Son. Christ. The Son of Man and God the Son. Perfect, spotless, offering himself for us. Hebrews 7 reminds us, For such an high priest became us who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate for sinners, and made higher than the heavens. That's our Saviour. More valuable than we can even put into words. And he offered himself on that tree for sinners like you and me. The burnt offering was voluntary. It was valuable. The burnt offering also brought about atonement. We've seen that. And the blood of the animal is shed. It's sprinkled round about the altar. And of course we we see that blood shed. We see that, that blood sprinkled there. And we think about the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth from all sin. We pointed it out already. That Old Testament offering. The animals, the blood of those animals couldn't take away sin but pointed to Christ's blood in the New Testament. His blood takes away our sin. We have atonement because of Christ and his sacrifice. We are accepted by God. We have access to God the Father because of the blood of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see our Saviour in the burnt offering. But I draw to a close this evening. I want you to see in Leviticus in the chapter 1 that the burnt offering is described as a sweet savor to the Lord. So you look there at verse 9. The last words of, of verse 9. Of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Then look at verse 13 again. The last words of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And then the very last words of the chapter. Verse 17. Of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Over and over again. The burnt offering is described as something that is of a sweet savor Unto the Lord. Well there's a New Testament significance to that. You turn with me to Ephesians and the chapter 5, Paul's letter to the Ephesians and the chapter 5 and look at verse two. Ephesians 5 verse 2 And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. And there it is. There's the New Testament significance. We read of this offering, the burnt offering that was a sweet savor unto the Lord. We're reminded of course that Christ and his sacrifice is the fulfillment of that. Christ offered himself. That offering of himself was acceptable unto God the Father. God was pleased with such a sacrifice. And that means we who are vile and undeserving sinners are accepted because of Christ, through Christ, in Christ. What a wonderful truth that is. We have acceptance with God Almighty because of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that in type in the burnt offering. I draw to a close this evening and I've got to ask you the question. Have you any experience of this acceptance with God? Not one of us in this room deserve acceptance with God. We're guilty, we're vile, we're hell deserving sinners. We cannot merit acceptance with God. We cannot earn it. It's only found in Christ. And so we implore you, young person, you're not saved. come to Christ. Know this acceptance with God through Jesus Christ. The burnt offering here in Leviticus 1, it speaks of acceptance with God. And just as God is very specific about how that sacrifice speaks of, of acceptance, so God is very specific about how we can be saved. It's only through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. We plead with you, you're here this evening, you're not saved. Oh, that you would place your trust in Jesus Christ, he who is that once for all sacrifice for sin. How can I be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior says, Repent and believe, turn from your sin, be done with your sin, place your trust in Jesus Christ, he who shed his blood. For sinners, he who is alive, who rose from the grave, place your trust in him. Cry out even this evening that he would save your soul because the only way of acceptance, of atonement, of sins forgiving is through the Lord Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless his word to our hearts this evening. Let's just bow in a moment's prayer and conclude our meeting together. Eternal God, we thank and praise thee and bless thee this evening for all that we can learn from the offerings of the Old Testament. We pray, O God, that thou wouldst impress the significance of this offering upon each and every heart here tonight. O God, speak on. We pray that thou wouldst continue to instruct thy children here, bring them back each evening. And we pray for any who may be here who know not the Saviour. Oh, may they know that Jesus Christ is the only Saviour of men. Oh, God, be with us. Touch us all. Breathe upon us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.